Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee Podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next. This free online business assessment tool enables you to pinpoint your business's vital need. Keep listening for top business tips and advice to help you level up and scale up. Here's your host, Simon Meadows. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast episode in which I'm joined by somebody who puts certain words into sentences of their bio that I would never put together. And for those of you who listen to this and don't actually really see what I look like, you'll understand why, because for a long, long while, I've not dried my hair. I cut my own hair. Yeah, that is who I am. I don't have much hair on my head. And it's been a long while since I went to any kind of hairdresser or barber. So today I'm joined by Georgia Reynolds, uh, who is in my favourite city uh, of the world, Toronto. And she has gone from hairdresser to corporate trainer to team coach. So it's not very often I say those three things in the same sentence. And hairdresser, for me, is a long while since I've said that. Trust me. So listeners, uh, she has listened to clients in, in her salon chair, to nurturing leaders at the top of their career. She's gone that full span and spent over 26 years working with people who have entrusted her with their most personally expressive and vulnerable moments. Corporate directors, general managers, CEOs, and VPs across the the globe have put their teams into her hands to find the working style that suits them the best. And in her time as a corporate trainer, she's worked with hundreds of small businesses as well. So we're in really, really good company. And listeners, in the middle of her bio, there's a a quote. And it says, whatever stage of life we are in, we want to be more human and less robotic. And I'm sure we're going to find out a little bit more about that later on. Welcome to today's podcast, Georgia. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to uh, to share a little bit more about that hairdresser to team coach journey. Yeah, yeah. Sounds fascinating. The last time we, we were talking about Toronto in snow just before we, we started the sort of formal part of this podcast. The last time I actually went to a hairdresser was here in the UK and we had three and a half feet of snow, which is really unusual. And my dad said, we, we're, we're supposed to be going to have our hair cut. It was a Saturday morning. And we got in the car and we tried to drive to have our hair cut. And it was a time when I did have hair still. And we got to the bottom of the hill. We had to ditch the car, hike up the hill. And when we got there, he couldn't believe we'd turned up. And he was running the whole of the the salon on a generator, a little small petrol generator, because the power had gone out. So that's my last experience of a hairdresser. So thank you for bringing hairdressing into the podcast. You're reminding me of uh, in Toronto, I was still working in a salon when the uh, blackout happened, which you may or may not have heard of in uh, in the UK, but pretty much the whole eastern side of North America blacked out for right. anywhere from seven to 48 hours, depending on where you were. Right. And uh, I was in a salon doing hair when that happened. And none of us new you know hair color is in the hair mid shampoos lights go out power goes out and uh and we think you know oh it'll be back on in a minute um but it was it was actually the whole eastern 
North America that yeah. that, that, that wow. happened to. So oh, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. It was yeah. a, an adventurous somebody, time for sure. For somebody in the chair with somebody with a pair of very sharp scissors in their hands, that's quite scary, isn't it? If the lights go out. <laughs> oh my goodness. It was, it was a time. It was a moment. That's so I'm, I'm intrigued before we start talking about the, uh, the interesting stories you've got about coffee. Just give us a little bit of the backstory behind that journey that you've been on of hairdresser to corporate trainer to team coach. Just give us a little bit of a, a background of that. Yeah. So my, my, by trade, I'm a hairdresser. I started in hair. Uh, I started a bit late in hair. I started at 21, which by standards is actually a bit late. Yeah. Um, and I loved hairdressing for the craft and for the, um, the art, art of it, but I actually really enjoyed the behind the chair engagement with the, the client. There's a built-in intimacy yeah. between a hairdresser and the client. Um, what other career do you actually touch someone yeah. the same way that's not medical or um, therapeutic? Like, And so I loved my career as a hairdresser. Um, I worked uh, in some of the largest um, hairdressing companies uh, in the world. I worked for Tony and Guy, which was at the day um, global. Yeah. And so I loved my, my career in the chair. I also really loved the mechanics of how business worked. Um, and so after my maternity leave, after I had my daughter, um, I was invited to become a technical trainer with uh, a global company. And it intrigued me because of the business element of it. And so uh, for the next 15 years, I worked with a small business and the small businesses were salons. And I worked yeah. with small business and corporate teams. And it was a really interesting dynamic. The more I dug into it, because I was an employee of a corporate company with resources and access and you know, materials and tools. And so this company would put all of these programs together and all of these plans together and we would deliver them to these small business. And I was in, I had all, I'm like, guys, this is the way to change your business. This is the way to grow. And, uh, and it didn't always land. It didn't always, and actually it mostly didn't land and mostly didn't resonate. And, um, as you know, I went along, I started, I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't working. How come they're not getting it? And at some point, I really had the aha moment that, wait, actually, I'm not getting it. And the corporation's not getting it because yeah. they don't fit. It's a bit of that square hole, round peg kind of um, yeah. strategy. Um, at the same time, I knew that there was nuggets that just needed to be shaped and molded um, to meet the needs of each individual um, small business. And in particular, the needs of the business, but their dreams of success. Because as a global company, there's a really um, broad assumption that everybody's idea of success is the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because you know, the reason I got into coaching was because you know, I've always had a business coach in, in all of my businesses. But very often I found that the coaches that had purchased a franchise, you know, and you know, there's some really good coaches out there that run franchises, 
but many of them had corporate backgrounds they'd taken some kind of redundancy they bought a franchise and yeah with the best intentions wanted to help small businesses but it's not i'm glad you said what you said because it's not a simple copy and paste mm-hmm. um yeah like you say there are very core things that are common across all businesses whether it's corporate small or you know global businesses but you've definitely got to adapt the delivery of each of them to get those core principles across. So I'm really great, grateful that you shared that because that's such an experience that I think some of the people listening to this perhaps need to just make a few tweaks in the way that mm-hmm. they deliver what they do as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because here in the UK, we don't have anything like that really other than um, our Royal Mail postal service used to do something similar where, Everybody who has a small post office is a small business owner and Royal Mail used to have people that were trainers and coaches that were sort of business development people to help those small businesses grow and develop. Wow. Um, but they ditched it about probably about 10 years or so ago, which is a real shame. And it's left a lot of mm-hmm. small little businesses floundering without that help. Because like you say, you had the resources, didn't you? You had the tools. Mm-hmm. Most businesses mm-hmm. can't get their hands on that. We can now probably more readily, but 10 years ago, that was almost impossible. Yeah. So yeah. it's an interesting journey you've, you've been on then, and we'll hear a little bit more about that, that later. Um, you went off to get a cup of coffee, and I, I recognised the sound <laughs> of the filter jug pouring into the, <laughs> into the cup as I could hear you from, uh, from a distance. So tell us a little bit about the coffee drinking and, more importantly, why. Okay. Um, so the coffee I'm drinking, uh, first of all, this is the, this is the morning cup and I know that you can see it, but, uh, it's a red cup with a white lining and, uh, it's the shape of the cup, the way it feels in my hands. This is like the, okay, it's time to wake up and, and start your day. I don't use this cup on weekends. I don't, I specifically my get up and go to work, uh, cup and, uh, yeah, I, it's, uh, it's the cup you, um, you are the first person we've ever had who has a, a, a <laughs> cup for get up in the morning time yeah yeah that's great. yeah it's it's like a trigger it's just like a, a yeah. mindset even if I'm feeling a little sluggish I'm like okay red cap let's go like me and you let's go yeah um I love that but but something that's changed uh about coffee and me recently is I actually drink all coffee. I'm particular about how I drink coffee at which franchise, for example, yep. you know, in Canada, we have Tim Hortons at Tim Hortons. You have to drink coffee, double, double. It's just like what you have yep. to do and uh, double, double, two creams, two sugars. I don't drink sugar in my coffee anywhere else. Um, just at Tim Hortons. And, um, but I've recently started drinking. I used to drink it mostly with cream. Um, yep. I actually prefer drip coffee over fancy coffees. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but I started drinking it black because, um, when I drink it with, with cream or it's, it's sort of like, um, I've just decided I was doing it out of habit. Yeah. And what I actually want is that, um, little caffeine kick and, and to get on with my day and the cream and the milk were all just extra habitual because I'm supposed to things. So the cup and the black coffee combined are actually a very intentional yeah. action and decision. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, I went, uh, I met a client on Monday 
for, for a coffee and I had a, a caramel macchiato and I was waiting for him. So I, I got myself a fairly decent sized one. And <laughs> like you, when I'm at home, uh, any most places, I only drink black coffee. No sugar, no cream, nothing. Perhaps sometimes a little bit of flavouring if I'm just trying to take the edge off the voice a little bit. Uh, but this particular day, and then he turned up and I just finished my coffee. And he said, oh, do you want another coffee? I said, yeah, I'll have the same again, another caramel macchiato. I said, but can you make it a tall one? I, I don't want a venti one. Uh, and we came back with this huge mug of caramel macchiato again. And I got back home and I was running around the walls and it wasn't the caffeine. It was the sugar. Sugar. The amount yeah. of sugar that I'd had. Yeah, it was just absolutely extreme. You know, it took me about two hours to actually come down off the ceiling. Again, not, all about yeah. the sugar, not about not about the coffee at all. I'm sure. I'm sure. And I, I really am not a fan of the fancy sugary coffees, hot or cold. Yeah. Yeah. Hot or cold. I just, yeah. just a nice, so, simple so coffee. You, you said, obviously, um, you like drip coffee. Is there any particular favorite uh, flavor of coffee? Is there any favorite franchise that you like to go to or coffee shop? Uh, tell us a little bit about any coffee favorites. Other than the mug, because um, we know about the mug. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer dark roast. I definitely prefer dark okay. roast. Yep. Um, and I think it's maybe a bit more of that small business connection, but I really love local, um, the local roasters in my neighborhood yeah. and going and seeing what each of them are doing um, and seeing, you know, how are you, why did you start roasting coffee? So I think for me, it's a little bit more about a little bit less about the flavor of the coffee, although I definitely prefer dark roast yeah. um, and a little bit more about how can coffee taste so different? Why do you do it the way you do it? So it's a bit more about yeah. the story and the history that goes into it. Um, even when I'm traveling, I want to find like what's their local coffee because yeah. I'm curious about their about that. Yeah. So I'm more of a connoisseur of stories than flavors. For me, if I'm going to choose between different locations, it's it's usually about the what I can see from where I'm sat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love to be sat somewhere with a view. So I need a store where there's big windows. And I can see something outside and I can people watch and I can you know have some scenery or some buildings outside. Um, the the other thing I like as well is a good selection of cakes and pastries so muffins <laughs> cookies you know uh, our local starbucks in newark town it's got a beautiful marketplace and you can just sit there and watch this medieval marketplace come alive as you drink your oh. coffee but then it has amazing fruit toast so it's got a real sort oh. of fruit loaf that they toast and they i always have it with butter and honey on it as well and that's my go it's the cheapest possible uh, sort of uh, sweet thing on the menu but it, it's just so good and so filling and I just absolutely love it so yeah for me it's how how good of a cake we've got places local to us and we don't go to May Mall because their cakes went downhill the coffee was still good but the right. cakes went downhill so that was it mm. we don't go there anymore so that's it so tell us a little bit about your business and in particular what have you been working on recently and is is the focus more on the coaching side that you do now? Is it more on the training side still? Just give us a little bit of insight on what you've been working on yourself. Yeah, um, 
the two things that have really come to the top recently. One is an overarching theme and it's empathy at work, really building professional intimacy at work. And there's two main reasons for for that rising to the top. Um, Empathy is a buzzword. I know it's kind of a a hot topic and um, I think when words get to be that hot topic, we actually lose the meaning of them. And empathy is at its heart about connection and connection is how you're able to remain energized, uh, remain focused, remain solid in your intention. And uh, so that overarching theme is definitely running through every conversation I have. And I'm really talking about what it is when I talk about it. Uh, And it's three parts. You have to include yourself. You have to include the other. And then there has to be an element of the two or more of you together and collaborating. And uh, it's really become a, a me or you as opposed to a me and you energy. Yeah. And so that's the overarching theme. So the, the buzzword and the definition. And then the second part is that um, learning to be more empathetic or practicing empathy because it has very practice, practicable tools um, is much easier in a contained environment like work, which might be opposite than some think. I really believe it because I've seen it, um, but there's built-in boundaries at work. So you can put one toe in. Whereas if you attempt greater connection with someone really close to you, there's a lot more at stake. Yeah, And so it can be a one toe in that can expand into the rest of your life. Yeah. And, and I think it's interesting what you say there, because um, I mean, I can certainly see the industry that you've come from is an industry that you can, I suppose, see empathy at practice all the way through. Uh, I mean, my wife loves going to the hairdressers, not just because she gets her hair done. It's where she can go. She can talk to Jess. She's been the same hairdresser for 15 years since we moved here and you know they they go out and have coffee together they you know she knows her mom and so there's that you know there's a lot of understanding and there's there's that empathy between them but at work I think some industries might find that a little bit awkward like you say some think that it's not possible and my background is from construction and I can see that construction would be a real, real difficult nut to crack to try and say you need to have more empathy. Well, it certainly is moving. It certainly is evolving and it's getting there. But what would you say, Georgia, to those industries that say that kind of stuff's not for us? It's not it's not relevant to our industry. What would you say to those people that might be listening to that that are thinking that? <clears throat> wow, I would say a lot. <laughs> mm, OK, <laughs> I would say a lot. Um I think I would start, and I actually have started, I have been working with an engineering firm. And so um, working with the office team versus the field team is quite a different beast for sure. Um, But the first thing is um, don't put so much pressure on what empathy is. Mm -hmm. It has such a weight to it because it's such a buzzword that, um, if it's not in your vocabulary, if it's not in your world, 
when you hear that word, you can completely dismiss it as something unattainable. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I would probably remove the weight of it and say, let's try something. Yeah. Let's try something. And this is really a great like, construction company, field employees, um, sort of really tactical uh, teams. It's a perfect example of being safe to put your toe in. Yeah. It, it's interesting as well, though, because those industries that we're talking about actually are also the industries that struggle with staff retention, absent levels, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, even suicides at work. You know, I, you know, you look at some of the, the other industries that might be awkward with this, farming, agricultural, et cetera. These are yeah. the ones that actually probably need it the most, but they're ones that mm -hmm. seem less open to it as well. And I love what you said mm -hmm. there about taking the weight off it, because even I felt myself when you use the word empathy, you can feel a slight burden come on. Mm -hmm. All right. This is, this is something that's going to feel uncomfortable. This is going to be something that feels hard work, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. there's definitely that expectation and the perception of it. Definitely. Yeah. So if that's what you've been working on, that's what kind of thing that you've been working with your clients, what kind of difference has that made to you and to the people you work with to have that, that focus on empathy at work? So for me, I'll start with me because that was really where the shift happened first. Yeah. And because I had that shift, I was like, oh, I want other people to feel this shift. Um, for me, it really... Uh, was a permission slip, a bit of a permission slip to um, invite others in. Mm. And I started by inviting others in for solutions. And then I was like, oh, that's okay. We can work together and, and find the middle ground. And then I was uh, a little more comfortable there and I could start asking for what I needed or what I wanted. And when I started asking for what I needed or it's like small little things to big things, Others started asking me for what they wanted and what they needed. Um, and the, you know, it was over the course, the last four years of my corporate position is where I really started to change the way I engaged with my coworkers. Um, and then I was like, this isn't like life is easier at work. Life is, is um, more doable and it naturally overflowed into my personal life. And so uh, just trying to figure out a way to show up more fully was yeah. actually easier. And then in working with others in that same process, uh, they would come to me later and say, hey, I didn't believe you at all. <laughs> like I sat in on that, on that session or that workshop because you know, my boss said I had to because I couldn't feel like I said no, because I didn't want to be at my desk, like whatever it was. And then, you know, that little bit of tangible practice yeah. uh, would grow for them and they would come back and say, okay, I get it. I see where you're coming from. So how did you cope with some of the personalities that you had to engage with? Because mm -hmm. you know, empathy isn't just a one size fits all, is it? Because you're going to have a different personality to what other people have. They're going to have different personalities sometimes to what you expect them to have. How would you explain to the, the listeners that perhaps you cope with that difference in personalities? Yeah. So 
from a, a really tangible standpoint, there is a personality assessment tool that I use. It's called Lumina Spark. Okay. Um, and uh, so that is a really tangible piece. Um, and the more you are, the more I'm familiar with that model and that tool, it really uh, holds a ton of space for paradox. And so it's um, really looking at individuals as, hey, what's going on for you? Yep. As opposed to what's wrong with you? Yeah. And that's actually the simple act of um, empathy is yeah. noticing what's going on for the other, noticing how it's coming on for you and holding the space in the middle as opposed to evaluating or judging the behavior of the other. Um, and that's a little bit of a roundabout answer to your question, but dealing with different personalities is remaining curious about different personalities. Yeah. And if your energy isn't matching, sometimes that means back off. And sometimes that means, you know what, you just need to stand a little taller so that you can match their energy. Yeah. As you were talking there, I was reminded back to a story with my wife, actually, when we, we met some some other couples in a, an environment well, some quite some time ago. And my wife said, yeah, one of the women, she said, I'm not, I'm not too keen on her at all. You know, just the way she talked and the way she engaged and the way that she came over. And about 12 months later, it was a slightly different environment. And she said, I can't believe how nice she is. She's such a lovely, and they became great friends. And I think sometimes, you know, as you were talking there, it just made me think that we we jump to conclusions, we jump to assumptions, don't we? Uh, of, oh, what's yeah. wrong with you? You know, why are you talking to me like that? And then we put them in our own pigeonhole, our own little yeah. box of what kind of personality they have, where actually we haven't given them chance to find that middle ground where we can connect with them and think this actually isn't the same person. And that's what I just said. That's not the same person that I spoke to a year ago. Mm. Can't be. Yes, it is. <laughs> and this is exactly uh, specifically one of the practices that um, always comes up. And it's the practice of saying, of noticing what's going on for me. Like, oh, I'm offended. Yeah. I'm like offended by that person. Noticing what's going on for them. Oh, that's really aggressive behavior. I wonder if something's going on for them. And kind of sensing at the moment, do I ask them what's going on for them or do I give them some space in this moment? I'm yeah. just going to assume the best that this is not their best day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just reading the last little bit of your bio here, which I'm going <laughs> to ask you about your unique magic in a minute, which is on there. <laughs> but this is a, a, a topic. Um, yeah, when I did my coaching qualifications back in the early 90s, when I was still in work myself and, and not working for myself, uh, there were no coaching qualifications about. So I had to do life coaching because life coaching was the only actual physical qualification that I could do here in the UK. And what I find even now, there aren't very good books on the topics that we're talking about. Yeah, mm -hmm. I can get a book on marketing, you know, get different by Mike Michalowicz, uh, Traffic Secrets by Russell Brunson, all these people. But there's very little that is renowned and out there, I think, anyway, for you know looking at the softer side and looking at empathy and looking at understanding and looking at connection etc are there any points of reference that you use or that you would recommend that any of the listeners go out there 
you know, we're going to obviously recommend that they reach out to you and we'll do that in a second. But <laughs> is, is there anything that you found that you could actually direct people to as well? Yeah, so there's two, I'll give three references. Um, okay. I really love Brene Brown. Um, I really love Brene Brown uh, because she makes um, uh, shame and vulnerability accessible. Yeah. So it's a very accessible in her writing style, in her conversation style. Um, uh, there's a, there is a book that I would recommend for anybody who is skeptical about empathy in the workplace. And it's called The Empathy Factor. Oh, okay. Uh, it's written by Marie Miroshiro. And it's specifically about empathy in the for-profit and corporate environment. Uh, and so this is one of the um, inspirations for me. Uh, and then the, um, the third reference I would give is really to look maybe at emotional literacy. Uh, there are quite a few new studies, new resources uh, around emotional literacy. And emotional literacy is specifically naming your emotions, learning to name your emotions and differentiate them. Uh, because noticing and naming your own emotions and noticing and naming somebody else's emotions is a key factor in removing judgment and building connection. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting concept. I've never really thought about that uh, in that literacy format. I, I suppose the closest I've come to that is um, the flip side by Flip Flippin and his profiling, mm -hmm. because he gives some really weird names to some of his profiles files doesn't you know marshmallow and all kinds of turtle and um is is that the kind of thing that you're talking about or more specific something that is relevant to the actual emotion rather than just giving it a nickname so it would be comparable but it's a little when we when we search up emotional literacy it really is about naming specific emotions the wow. average um the average person can name you know four to seven emotions happy, yeah. sad, angry, glad. Yeah, I would say, um, yeah. And, I go with that. And there's <laughs> over 300 specific wow. emotions. Um, Brene Brown has um, a new book uh, that is very accessible as far as language and description. Um, that said, the reason I'm saying it's uh, similar to the flip side is if it's more fun for you to give them playful names, give your emotion playful names, yeah. um, if that makes it easier for you, if that makes it more um, doable for you, yeah. I, I'm not a purist by yeah. any means. And I think that's, um, well, I'll, I'll save that. I'm not a yeah. purist and I'll save that for your next question, yeah, the yeah. rest of that. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, you're right. It's the way that we remember it. So for some, that quirkiness works. For me, it doesn't. I, I couldn't tell you what one single one of those in that book actually references against. Because for me, it's got to do what it says on the tin. So I would rather yeah. give something a name that actually is crystal clear. I don't have to interpret it. I don't have to yeah. give it some kind of memory game of where that sits in my room or anything like that. It just does what it says. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a style that we've got. Mm -hmm. So that definitely does sound a little bit like magic. Okay. Emotional literacy, uh, the empathy. Was it the empathy, empathy factor? Empathy Factor is yep. the is a book that was part of my inspiration. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about 
your own unique magic and what you use in your business? Yeah, so I'm going to elaborate on the I'm not a purist um, mm, okay. piece because I would say what my unique magic is um, is to be able to be here in the moment and recognize or adapt quickly to how you need to receive this information and what information you need to receive. Yeah. And so I think, um, not even I think, I know what my unique magic is, is that being able to adapt easily without being thrown off my track and being able to sense what it is that, that you would need in this moment to be able to move to the next moment. Yeah. Um, I'm not committed to training. I'm not committed to coaching. I'm committed to pulling from the resources I have to meet whatever needs you need in this moment. Um, you know, con just for one example, contrary to most, I don't encourage a lot of note-taking. Yeah. And the reason I don't encourage note-taking is because oftentimes someone who is not a natural note-taker, if you're a natural note-taker, do what you do. Um, but whatever sticks in your brain or whatever is kind of rumbling in your, in your body is the thing that you need right now. And I don't want you to be distracted from that thing you need right now Completely by trying agree. to remember the other thing. Yeah. 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 And I think you've just given a lot of people listening to this, the, the secret to actually working with a good trainer and a good coach, because for me, I hear so many coaches out there. You know, I coach a lot of coaches and a lot of them say, tell me how I need to coach. And it's coaching by numbers. It's training by mm -hmm. numbers. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I know this, you know, I used to train people in health and safety. Um, you've got a very strict set of content to deliver, but you've got to adapt the delivery style to the people that are receiving it. So that it sticks, haven't you? And I, and I love the way mm -hmm. you've put that into your unique magic of adapting it. And like you say, not being a purist, if I was a health and safety purist, my health and safety training would be so boring, you know, um, <laughs> because it's, it's only your way of doing it, isn't it? And that's it. And, you know, we can't, as trainers and yeah. coaches, we can't do that, can we? You know, that's the thing. And that goes back to your comment yeah. about the difference between corporate and small business. The small businesses, I think, need more of that flexibility and that uh, sort of adaptability than perhaps the corporates do, because a lot of the corporates can be very very much of the same can't they mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it sounds like you've got some incredible uh tools and resources and knowledge to to share with people how can the listeners find out more about you and i suppose by doing that listeners you're actually going to find out more about yourself as well yeah uh, mm -hmm. I, I think you know by reaching out to georgia i'd certainly um i certainly think you're going to find out a lot more about yourself as well as finding out a lot more about her. So tell us how we can connect with you and reach out to you. So the, the best way and the easiest way is georgiareynolds.ca. Uh, there's a contact me up in the top corner. Um, I really love to just find out if it's a match by having a chat and seeing what's, what's interesting for you and go from there. There isn't a, a very specific thing that you'll do. There isn't a very specific thing that you'll say. We'll just meet where we are and see Great. how we how we get along. Yeah. So just give us that website again. GeorgiaReynolds.ca. Yeah. And Reynolds is R-E-Y-N 
O-L-D-S? O-L-D-S. Yeah. Great. I know sometimes over here in the UK, we spell Reynolds with an A, you know, in the O's. So, uh, yeah, so, but it's not. I didn't know that. Thanks for that. (laughs) So if you could give the listeners something of value, something to take away that they can actually do something with, because I think there's so much that you've already shared with us. I'm already on to my second note of post-it notes. Um, (laughs) And I don't like taking notes neither. So to get me onto two sheets (laughs) is is quite a good effort. Um, So well done. Um, What would you like to share with people that they can actually do something with today? Uh, the, uh, the thing I would like to put out to the listeners right now is a little experiment. If you don't already do it, a little experiment to, uh, set a timer on your, on your phone or in your calendar and see if four times a day and choose any four times a day that work for you. Um, if breakfast, lunch, and dinner, bedtime, meal times, um, and pause and check in with yourself. Check in with yourself and ask yourself, what's my energy like? What's my feeling? Yeah. Take a note of it mentally. If you're a mental note taker, write it down. If you're an actual note taker. And after about a week, see if you notice any patterns. Okay. And uh, whatever patterns you notice will help guide you into what else you can do. But that checking in with yourself is um key to empathy it's key to uh life work balance which i call integration not balance it's key to connection but how am i and we don't do that very often so just just tell us again because i know yeah this is going to be something that feels quite different for a lot of people particularly Mm -hmm. doing it in that structured way but what Mm -hmm. are the things that you'd like us to check in with ourselves on yeah you said how how we're feeling uh, what are how am I feeling? Like? Yeah. Yeah. How am I feeling? What is my energy? Am I high energy right now? Am I low energy right now? Yeah. Um, is there a, a nagging thought in my brain that yeah. maybe I just need to get out? Um, and I'm not expecting or suggesting that you check all of those things. Yeah. But at least one of them is going to rise to the top for you as soon as you pause. It's actually the pause that's the most valuable yeah right yeah and i suppose it's the reflection as well isn't it it's looking back Mm -hmm. and it's seeing you know i i can even feel myself if i did that i know that certain times of the day my energy levels are going to be different some people have high energy levels first thing in the morning you know i love the way that you've got your mug because i'm not very much of a morning person i need a little bit of a routine to get me out of bed in the morning and up and about some people get up at silly o'clock in the morning. Some people you know, stay up till mm-hmm. silly o'clock at night. Um, so I can imagine for different people, there's going to be different times of the day that have different things. So I can, I can see the reflection of that being really, really intriguing and interesting as well to take that snapshot. Mm-hmm. And that's just a little bit of a tease because you're kind of leading to what you would do with it next. Once yeah. you've sort of noticed some of those rhythms, noticed some of those triggers, noticed some of those, then you can start to design what works for you to move in the direction that you're moving. Um, but it really starts with noticing. And in my observation and in my own lived experience, you miss that checking in with yourself piece. You're just like, tell me yeah. what to do. Tell me what to do. And so what to do is check in with yourself. 
Yeah, and I think we're, we live in a world globally where when people do have a moment, they don't check in with themselves. They're checking on social media or they're checking with their emails. <laughs> it's, it's something else, isn't it? What's happening at the moment, you know, rather than actually yeah. pausing and taking a moment. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. an old saying, isn't it? Stop and smell the roses. Yeah. You know, yeah. just take a yeah. moment. Yeah, definitely. So I love that. That's great. So that's a great tip there, listeners, that you've had. So I'm going to come to the final question then. Uh, and this is going to mm-hmm. be slightly different. So this is really throwing guests because I'm not asking the same question every time. Okay, if you were to have up your, yeah, <clears throat> If you were going to have your next coffee, okay, mm. with a dream person, somebody that if you could have 30 minutes with and you could ask them anything that you want to know, they want to know what you want to ask them, but who would that person be? Who would you have that dream cup of coffee with? You know, I, the, I thought about who it would be and I'm going to connect to my teenage self and I'm going to say it's going to be Marilyn Monroe. And the reason it would be Marilyn Monroe is because I was completely fascinated by the glamour of her as a teenager. Um, But now as an older woman, um, I would love to just like, hear what it was really like to be Marilyn Monroe like what was it really like um and from what I do know of her I doubt I would really get that answer Mm. but I I think you know self-presentation was a huge part of her of her life but uh you would have to use a little bit of your unique magic wouldn't you to get that out (laughs) I would (laughs) I would yeah. But I would, I would really love to know what it was yeah. really like. And I think that's really my teenage self that would like to know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's interesting. We're, we're very much, as, as I say, because I always think about people I would want to talk to when I ask the same question. And the person I, I thought of as, as I asked the question was actually Elvis Presley. Ah! Yeah. And, you know, as a child, I was brought up on Elvis Presley. I still love Elvis's songs and, you know, and some of the movies, you know, my auntie made me watch all the movies. Uh, <laughs> I've seen them all about a dozen times. I've still got even some of the little small little magazines that used to come over to the UK, but were in sense that we had to buy. But my question would be, what went wrong? Oh, Because that's what I would want to know. At what point did he feel that things started going wrong? Mm. Now, some people might say, well, that's a bit of a, stupid question because who says it was going wrong well it it, it'd just be interested to get like you say get their take on it because all we get Mm -hmm. is what the press is what other people say about them now they've gone but we don't actually get the real story despite Mm -hmm. the documentaries we've had a couple that have been pretty good but we still haven't got to the what was it like you say what was it really like Mm -hmm. Uh, and wouldn't it be interesting to ask them to pause and just tell their us in that coffee what was it like for you in the morning what was it like for you at lunchtime mm-hmm. you know, what, what mm-hmm. can you imagine if we asked that sort of questions to them what mm-hmm. kind of we get out of it oh yeah. we'd make our millions wouldn't we with the answers with that <laughs> that would be great <laughs> well you've been an absolute uh, fabulous guest you've given us some real insights a real different slant and you know i can say when i saw the information of hairdresser trainer coach yeah i wasn't quite sure where this was going to go but you know, you're giving us some good directions, some good things to consider uh, and take a look at. And yeah, as always, I always appreciate everybody's time and I particularly appreciate yours. And I'm very jealous 
that you're sat in Toronto and I'm not. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And uh, your your, inter- your interviewing style has been warm and welcoming. And uh, I really enjoyed the time that I spent. And thank you for your time. And when you do come to Toronto, I would love to share a coffee with you. Yeah, well, we're definitely going to be back there very <laughs> soon. So, uh, yeah, I look forward to that. And listeners, you know, the important thing now is that you actually do take that time. Do take those moments whether you want to set an alarm on your phone, whether you want to just choose a time of the day and times of the day when you can do that four times a day, I think it'd be really good to reflect. I'm taking my blood pressure at the moment uh, to do a study for my doctor. And I've got, I think twice a day I have to take it and they are completely different readings. And I think Mm. if we do what you say, Georgia, we're going to get very different reflections on the times of day and how we are at that time, our energy levels, our thoughts, our reflections. So do something with that listeners. Uh, As always, leave us a review. Tell us what difference this has made to your life. Tell us how you came to certain reflections and perhaps share that with us. You know, we'd love to have that. And who knows, you know, you might Mm -hmm. be some part of some research in the future, but please Mm -hmm. just let us know how things have gone. And as always, we look forward to having you on the next podcast. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, if you'd like any help and support with your business, do get in touch with Simon. And to discover what your business needs you to fix next, visit www.sterlingcoaching.fixthisnext.com. Please do subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And Simon would love you to rate and review the show too. Thank you. Thank you.